0: Thank you very much for a kind introduction. And well, let's start. Hello, good morning. Okay, glad to see you're here. I know it's been a long program and uh, delighted to have a chance just to share a couple of thoughts about these uh, significant topics. Uh, Of course, a year later and uh, 9-11 events probably will be one of those things that people can 40 years later remember where they were, what they saw and heard and thought and felt. Uh, in the way that those uh, will remember other events, uh, Kennedy's assassination or whatever, different topics that stick with us for a long, long time. Um, And even though uh, the dust, of course, is cleared in New York City and elsewhere, uh, those uh, feelings uh, still linger in our uh, hearts and minds. Um, It's interesting because... uh, The question I guess to ask ourselves is, well, how are we doing? And uh, it seems to me the right answer is we've uh, been tested and we are meeting the challenge. Uh, If you look at polls, uh, survey research of Americans and Californians, very similar responses, uh, four out of five uh, or higher. Expect there will be additional acts of terrorism in the continental United States. Um, they uh, mention that their lives have changed some. Uh, now, as somebody who was on an airplane 160 times last year, I can tell you that your life changes whenever you go on an, in an airport. But uh, other than that, I don't know that how many inconveniences there there are, but. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, even though those eastern uh, areas of uh, demolition uh, and death uh, are far from us geographically, they're, they're certainly part of our uh, human experience and American experience. Um, so I tried, as soon as the event occurred uh, a year ago, to survey our capacity to address uh, terrorism and sort of the homeland uh, security issues for the state of California. There's a lot of different agencies with some of the responsibility and one of the problems was an inadequate uh, coordination among them to do our best job with emergency services and highway patrol and National Guard and so on. Uh, But we also found that while there are joint uh, terrorism task forces that basically are run by the FBI in California. Uh, participants would need a high-level security clearance to even be participating, and, and the information that came out of those task forces tended to get very um, homogenized into sort of not very much worthwhile information. I love the ones you know where they say, be alert, be careful, go about your life. I- I'm never quite sure what that means, uh, but anyhow. Um, Uh, So that was a a piece of the the organizational response that had existed prior to September 11th and continuing. Uh, We have terrorist early warning groups that are typically run by by local sheriffs and it will vary from county to county exactly how they configure and uh, uh, local police departments participate and that sort of thing. So we found that there was a need to... um, coordinate intelligence gathering and analysis at a state level. There are about 100,000 sworn police officers, deputy sheriffs, school police and so on in the state of California. Uh, If you ever wonder why it's appropriate to call it the thin blue line, uh, it's 100,000 law enforcement personnel with 35 million people in the state. And uh, we found from Florida and elsewhere that very often, prior to September 11th, someone had significant clues of potential terrorist acts, but they didn't know who to talk to, or they didn't know how to handle the information or what to do with it, and so the uh, Anti-Terrorism Information Center is that. It's basically about 100 staff people that are analysts and so on. We try to have local law enforcement feed in thoughts about uh, terrorist activities and they're meant to analyze and uh, deploy resources uh, or or suggest deployment of resources to local or state offices. Um, But it's, it's surprising how broad some of their work winds up being because what we found is there were significant innocent-looking activities that might have been uh, devices to fund terrorist uh, rings uh, here or abroad. And as we started to look at some of the traditional work that we do in law enforcement, Medi-Cal fraud for example, we actually found and were investigating uh, rather aggressively a number of Medi-Cal fraud rings that actually seem seem to be sending the illegal profits uh, abroad to uh, foreign bank accounts and terrorist funding. So there's that sort of thing, financial fraud, identity uh, theft, counterfeiting, weapons theft, drug trafficking, uh, possession of uh, explosives, Uh, and we found these links where the more traditional law enforcement uh, work actually was relevant to in the anti-terrorism context because of the money that was uh, moving around. Well, uh, we're going to continue to do that and uh, often people ask, well, is there some tension between our basic liberties and these uh, heightened public safety uh, efforts? It is interesting to me that when we surveyed Californians 42% 42% of them believe that the United States is less democratic. That was the word that they were asked, is, are we less democratic, about the same, or whatever. 42% thought less democratic than a year ago. I'm not sure that's accurate in, in uh, significant ways, and I know there are debates in Washington, D.C. Uh, the secret uh, judicial tribunal, which now other judges have uh, ruled uh, to be illegal in its uh, processes and so on. Um, but certainly in California, we have a couple of uh, maybe special laws. One is Article 1, Section 1 of the California Constitution, which is our, starts with our Bill of Rights, includes the right of privacy. And so we're very sensitive about the fact that that's a a fundamental constitutional principle. We do not want to step on people's uh, private affairs and interfere in their life. We don't want to do backgrounding and surveillance and so on of innocent people. Um, And there are federal regulations that long predate the current uh, federal administration regarding dissemination and collection of information. And essentially, to kind of summarize, they say, you can't do that unless you're investigating a crime and you have probable cause or some, depending on the circumstance, reasonable suspicion to do your investigation. And so we don't just go and watch, uh, as was suggested by an Ashcroft, um, uh, Attorney General Ashcroft uh, made some guideline recommendations didn't change the rate didn't change the policy didn't change the regulations that govern our activity but put out some guidelines that basically said things like well anywhere there are people we can send fbi agents to watch now i know how thin their budgets are and as much as they might like to do that they don't have the personnel to do it so just as a practical matter i guess in the way that Thomas Hobbes used to say, uh, freedom is the interstices in human experience where the sovereign is not looking, sorry. Uh, They don't have enough eyeballs to look uh, in the ways that those guidelines have suggested and we won't do it. Uh, If we're participating in task forces, we won't go spy on innocent people and we have to be very careful about catching the right balance between public security, public safety, Uh, anti-terrorism work and our traditional liberties which are what define us and what the attacks on New York and elsewhere were all about. The people that don't embrace those personal liberties in their cultures as we do. So I had to uh, recently respond to an ACLU uh, letter that raised these questions and after a lot of analysis uh, I found that uh, Uh, In California, at least, our practices have not changed. Uh, Local law enforcement and uh, sheriffs and so on are very sensitive about catching the right balance. And we also know this, just as a practical matter, 100,000 police officers, 35 million people, unless the civilian population cooperates with law enforcement, they can't do the job. And they won't cooperate if they mistrust law enforcement. So it's just part of getting the job done effectively to be respectful of people's liberties and opinions. So uh, I don't see any uh, particular tension of this sort and I don't think, at least in California, that I would describe us as significantly less democratic than perhaps uh, a year or more ago. Well. Uh, The White House had some suggestions of, you know, kind of what we might do to acknowledge these things. I just mentioned them quickly. It was uh, because kind of a nice list. Gather your loved ones for dinner, say a prayer for those that were lost, heal a rift in your own family, uh, take a moment for private reflection. And I will add to that list a sort of more theoretical suggestion, which is the need to reinvigorate doctrines of public duty. This has been a culture that historically uh, distinguished between private and public realms and uh, public uh, work and vocations and uh, politicians and so on are often uh, thought of uh, in highly critical ways Uh, and yet I find some lessons in 9-11 to share because what I saw was an extraordinary sense of public duty that I think is there throughout this extraordinary society that we're all part of, but we have to call it up. We have to ask for it and lead and provide vision to discipline those good impulses. Well think about this. Uh, There are officers and firefighters who shifted, ended in New York City. They're watching it at home on TV, hearing it on the radio in the car. They turn around and drive back to Manhattan. Their shift ended. And yet they had this sense of, it's my duty to go back to work. They get back to Manhattan, and basically everyone's been sent downtown. All the equipment is downtown at the World Trade Center, and the uh, personnel have been sent in in two or three waves of anyone they can find. So they commandeer things like a beer truck and a uh, Uh, school bus in order to muster and bring themselves down uh, to these uh, catastrophic, dangerous environments. And while they're suiting up in the bus, they're passing around a magic marker and writing their social security number on their arm and leg. Now I don't know any more sort of chilling example of somebody who's making decisions To risk their life because they think it's their duty. And uh, of course, we lost 343 uh, firemen and paramedics in New York, uh, 64 law enforcement officers. But I like to point out whenever I can that that sense of public duty informs uh, law enforcement professionals all over this state and country. Delighted that Chief Russ Leach is with us today and I know you're going to be on a panel here shortly. It's nice to see you. Um, We lose a law enforcement person uh, killed in the line of duty in this country about every 48 hours. We lose one, a firefighter and paramedic, uh, about every 58 hours. So these are risks that weren't just risks that are assumed in New York or the Pentagon. These are daily working conditions for a lot of Brave people that are helping rescue people they never met before uh, and doing their duty to make our communities safer. So I'm convinced that doctrine of public duty is there, but we just need to talk about it more. We need to make sure taxpayers understand that if we can guarantee them that they're going to get a dollar's worth of service for every dollar's worth of tax they pay, then they should be respectful of the career choices and make investments in transit and schools and law enforcement and other necessary public infrastructure that keeps our civilization going. And it will be challenged as we grow from 35 million to 55 million people in the next couple of decades. So we have some severe challenges. I'm convinced there's such extraordinary goodwill and and somehow maybe if you thought about it this way. For 400 years, not so much by design but by historical and geographic accident, we threw open the doors and invited people that wanted to leave home, leave the house that granddad was born in and the profession dad had and the language, the culture, travel thousands of miles and start all over again with the exception of indigenous peoples who were here before and were treated terribly and those brought here in chains, and we still have some continuing obligations to both of those groups, with, the, with those exceptions, we skimmed the planet for four centuries and brought the risk-takers here, creative, inventive, energetic people. So we can meet these challenges. It's the most extraordinary place, it's the most incredible people, and we can do it mindful of the fact that it's not just a people and a place but a promise and we make that promise every time we salute the flag and say liberty and justice for all. It's a promise that has to be kept and it's a promise that will allow us when we ask again how you doing? We were tested, and we met the challenge. Thanks for being part of this program. Yes, you seem to be saying that uh, we're basically ignoring the Patriot Act as far as California uh, law enforcement is concerned. But I'd like your thoughts about whether you're concerned that the Federals are still enforcing the Patriot Act um, on California citizens. Yeah, I I mean, I obviously speak uh, principally for a state and to some extent as principally as their advocate for local law enforcement. uh, And we're very sensitive about catching these things. We work together in a lot of task forces with the FBI and uh, Secret Service and others, and uh, they, at least so far, they have been very respectful of our uh, traditions and culture, and we have not found occasion to say, look, we can't do that because uh, we think it tramples on uh, traditional liberties. So, uh, while there's this sort of theoretical debate about it, and maybe there is some more practical reality in other parts of the country, it is not one that we have yet uh, had occasion to uh, bump into in this state, which pleases me. Thank you. Sir. Thank you, uh, Attorney General Lockyer, for being here. It's more of a follow-up question Mm -hmm. uh, from the last one. Mm -hmm. I know the FBI is doing things differently. NPR reported that in, uh, for example, in Detroit and Michigan, Mm -hmm. they were very much doing a collaborative work, and then in Florida, it was very much a... uh, um, uh, you know, an aggressive kind of way. Mm-hmm. And again, sort of a follow-up in, in theoretically, mm-hmm. the Attorney General's Office and the FBI are working together. Attorney General's Office says, gee, we don't really think you can do that, so we have to pull out. And the feds say, well, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, then what, does the, what sort of position does that put the Attorney General in or the Attorney General's representatives? Well, uh, fortunately, it hasn't been a real problem, but le- it can happen. Let me just shift to kind of a different context. Uh, last week, uh, federal drug agents uh, raided a little marijuana pot, a I marijuana was... farm uh-huh. in um, Santa Cruz. Uh, they didn't tell the local sheriff. Um, I wrote uh, letters to uh, the AG, uh, Ashcroft, and uh, head of DEA, saying, I don't understand why with all of these priorities about anti-terrorism work and organized crime and so many things that need to be done, how you even have resources to do that kind of enforcement. We weren't part of it and we won't be. Uh, if there are tra- trafficking offenses, we're uh, there's state law on that and we'll enforce it, but unfortunately it emanates and I feel kind of um, sorry, in a way, for the agents involved, though they probably think it's a good law in, by and large. The federal statutes treat marijuana the same as heroin. That is so illogical that someday I hope they will contemporize and figure out the right way to prescribe in the way that they do lots of other uh, medicines that are necessary for people's health or. Uh, soft, compassionate uh, terminations of life. But anyhow, um, there, there is a theoretical tension, but basically not a, not a really practical one. Well, I'm concerned about the TIPS program. Which, uh, yes. huh? uh-huh. Uh, and now that you mentioned the vector analysis, I am trained as a scientist. Okay. And I'm telling you that the, the part that's missing from that formula is you, the citizens. OK, you have to balance that. Uh, part of the equation out. If you don't act, we won't get justice. And uh, in that sense, uh, one last comment is that I did grow up under a dictatorship, and I, w- uh, I do remember the dictator saying that if you are innocent, you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> and uh, some of the comments I heard, about, uh, heard recently kind of resonate with this, and that, is, that worries me a lot. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, we. Um, have a long history in this country, different from many legal systems, by the way, from for presuming innocence of people that are charged with crime. A lot of cultures, they don't start with that presumption. Uh, We do, although I must say, when you see someone in the back of the police car, do you say to yourself, oh, there goes another innocent person. Uh, But we legally, at least, start with that uh, presumption. and uh, we're, uh, we're very zealous about protecting our rights, and I, uh, I'm confident that Americans are just will not tolerate uh, excesses of government. Part of the reason that I'm involved in this little dispute in Santa Cruz is I don't like bullies, whether it's on the school campus or the federal DEA. I don't like bullies, and I don't like, I don't like to get pushed around, and I don't want to see them pushing other people around. So if that happens, we're going to fight. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that our immigration policy has gone back to almost like a 1950s model, and I'm wondering if you can just talk about that and and share anything. I have to give you something from my father. Sure. Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, the answer is yes. Uh, The immigration laws and practices are tightening dramatically. That probably was needed regardless of the 9-11 problems, but But it can work uh, hardships on family reunification and other such things. We uh, have virtually no role with uh, immigration enforcement and policy at the state and local level. There are some police departments that may report people to INS. That's kind of rare in California. We don't do it. It's our policy not to. Um, But uh, because the feds uh, have totally 100% occupied uh, immigration uh, policy and practice, uh, those uh, domains, so um, I, uh, but I think uh, it's a fair point that we will benefit from continued debate to catch the right balance between uh, liberty and uh, national security. Obviously, rights of people who aren't here yet or who are here illegally or who are here under some temporary work or student visa are different in terms of court doctrines than the rights of people born in the United States or those that are citizen. And that's just part of the debate that goes on, is to what extent should we try to conform the two sets of uh, rights uh, and uh, an ongoing, actually for 200 years, an ongoing uh, debate. I did forget to mention one other small aspect of this. Um, Right after September 11th, we were finding Arab, -Arab, anti-Arab hate crimes occurring in California 10 a day. Uh, A lot of people, including me, had press conferences on the Riverside City Hall courthouse steps and did that all around the state, trying to say to people, it's appropriate to be outraged by these acts of terrorism, but don't direct your anger at your neighbors and your friends and fellow countrymen. That's, uh, that sort of intolerance can't be allowed and it doesn't make obviously any sense. So those numbers now have druma- dramatically declined. They're about one a week in California uh, still, uh, but that's quite a drop from 10 a day. And uh, I think people are uh, beginning to understand uh, how complicated this uh, California landscape is demographically and and uh, the need and the strength that we get from the blending of all these cultures and traditions and histories from people all over the world. So uh, that's another area we work in. I also finally uh, created a little section in my office called the uh, Office of Immigra- Imm- Immigrant Assistance. And it's basically consumer protection and civil rights laws. 26% of the residents of California are foreign born, 26%, highest in modern history. And unfortunately, those uh, peoples are frequently. Uh, victims of commercial scams and rip-offs of one sort or another from immigration consultant fraud and door-to-door salesmen that tell you your pots and pans are going to make your kid have cancer if you don't buy this new set and uh, automobile dealerships that purport to be helping you figure out your credit problems and you wind up buying a new and expensive car that you couldn't afford and on and on and on and so we're very active in that area to try to provide Assistance to this uh, huge number of Californians that uh, often are victimized in the marketplace and elsewhere. And it's, uh, again, part of our uh, consistent effort to be respectful to those that have come here to make a better life for themselves and their kids. Uh, All of us did that, or grandparents, or something, once upon a time, or almost all of us. And uh, it's really a part of this human experiment. Thanks very much for the chance to do